0: How do you make comics without all the frustration, without feeling lousy and inadequate all the time? Join me, Jess Rolipson.
1: And me, Tom Hart.
0: On the terrible Anvil. Each week, we build community and shift our mindset about what it means to make comics and art. We're working through the whole process one piece at a time, turning our suffering and angst into fun and glee. Join us at sawcomics.org. Hey everyone, it's Jess Rulefsen at Saw coming at you. I'm also here with Tom Hart. And <laughs> this is the terrible Anvil. Episode five. How what's the title? Uh well, it's it's very clunky, but right now the operating working title is How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Letter or Lettering. <laughs> uh, right. Any fans out there. <clears throat> Uh, Because we keep saying we're going to talk about lettering, and we've yet to do so, I think we might, but in classic procrastination style, I'd like to save it for the end of the call. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have two other things. One of them, uh, Deanna Feinstein, was asking a really lovely question for episode four, and we didn't even get to it. And then I have a friend who teaches at the University of Edinburgh... for. Uh it read Ooh. Fanula. Hi Fanula. Uh and she had a really good question too. So I thought we could we could dive into those questions and then talk about lettering because who wants to talk about lettering?
1: So sure. So uh let's remind everybody here at Sequential Artist Workshop. We are doing a podcast about comics and how to not feel lousy while doing them. And uh the first four episodes were about exactly that no concrete tips <laughs> well no concrete tips about your final art right we haven't we haven't gone there and that's that's why the joke about lettering is maybe we'll get there today but it's all been about like how do you not feel lousy how do you put yourself in a mindset to to appreciate what you're doing um okay what are the questions let's dig into the questions and then we'll begin to
0: right. so vip first top of the call question because i neglected it last week thanks for your patience and for listening, Deanna, Deanna asks, if you have too many ideas whirling around in your head, what's a good way of picking one out to work on?
1: Wow. Oh, that's a good
0: question, right? Maybe maybe my subconscious just wasn't ready for it. Tom, do you ever have that problem? You write everything down that, that you think of and that I say, and I'm sure you write other things down. So you're kind of like a, um undefeatable note Ticker.
1: yeah I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to ideas I'll, you know some people will write down really good ideas that they have I write I just write down like puddles you know or, <laughs> or, or um turning the dial or something like that my ideas are just really really simple ones but I've never done a comic that had substantial numbers of puddles in them and if I got that card and I have them in card sets I'd be really interested so I guess I would have two answers to that one is about randomness and cards and the other and i'll get to that but to me i've always felt like ideas assert themselves or assert themselves like if you have a bunch of ideas keep walking keep doing the shopping keep doing the dishes and notice which idea keeps coming back that's probably the one
0: I love Man. the idea of ideas stalking you, <laughs> just like lurking. Tom's doing the dishes again. Get him, get him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. What about you?
0: Uh, hmm. Well, my husband does the dishes more than I do. <laughs> and he's also more productive. Uh, he writes way more than I do. Uh, I don't know. I like writing ideas down for this book. That's, that's sort of been a, a thing that's happening when I say this book. The Bootlegger's Guide to Comics. We're, right. we're crafting this book, Tom and I. I say we he keeps saying it's my my thing but <laughs> Tom is helping me but we invented this podcast to sort of workshop some of the ideas from the book and uh and I'll get ideas because uh it's the terrible anvil the podcast itself but the Emile Zola quote uh, you gotta do stuff <laughs> if you've got a deadline the anvil's gonna get you so um so yeah I think having like a weekly check-in or something like that is useful if if you have a loose parameter, that's also useful. I'm like, well, this will eventually be a book, and I could see it being about this length. Uh, or I'm going to talk to Tom later, even if this wasn't a podcast, I would mm. I would be excited to see Tom, and I'd be like, oh, I wonder what he thinks about this. Um, so sometimes ideas come up because something else is uh, getting ready to happen. Um, sometimes you're like uh, maybe you have a deadline for something else like an anthology and you have no ideas <laughs> and you're like oh no and the deadline gets closer and closer and you're like I gotta think of something and then sometimes the ideas show up at, at the 11th hour or or you just think maybe this is good enough even though it doesn't dazzle me the way some ideas I feel like they leave me astonished and uh, I like the idea of I don't know if it's good or bad but sometimes we privilege certain ideas over other ones and I get the impression that Tom just writes everything down he's like puddles I can use that later maybe so uh ideas without judgment might be good too but I do agree with what you're saying Tom about like the strongest stuff seems to always flow to the top anyway um and then um and then it becomes the easiest material to work with and I'm like well this one's pushing to be in the front of the line um mm-hmm. but I have to make promises to the other ideas like I promise I'm coming back for you <laughs> and I'll see you after the war, <laughs> like, uh, not to be too dramatic, but, uh, but I think also there's this fear. If I pick one and not the other, the other ideas will abandon me. I don't know if that's part of it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, everybody works differently, but I definitely have had to get used to the idea that if I have an idea and I put it aside for later, I might never return to it and it might never have that charge again. And mm-hmm. I just have to be okay with that. Um, and it's kind of sad because I, I feel like it's like, um, ideas are like spells. There's this moment in, in, uh, Miyazaki's, um, spirited away where, where, uh, two of the animals that are, or two of the creatures that have been turned into other kinds of creatures are sort of like asking to be returned to their normal self. and you. And uh, Yubaba's sister, the good witch, she says, "Oh, the spell on those two uh, wore off ages ago. Turn back if you want to." And it made me realize that like a lot of our our mental attachments to things are spells, and we can and they do sort of fade. My daughter, boy, now we're really getting into weird weird territory. My daughter was going around numbering everything in the house yesterday. She had this bunch of stickers, one through like thirty. And she was like, I'm going to number this. I'm going to number your phone, 25. She numbered the sink, 29. And it was like so cool and funny. And then today I looked at the sink, number 29, and I thought, should I take this sticker off? And then I realized like, yeah, that spell's probably already worn off. That was a spell for her that she was under and that she was transmitting outside of us. Um, But I know that if she comes and she's not going to be like, where's my 29 sticker. She's off to, she's got other mental things going on. So it's okay. Like that spell, that spell dissipated a little, and that sometimes happens with ideas. So if I like, so if I go look at my idea bank or whatever, and I see puddles, I might be like, no, I think that, I think that that's had its life. <laughs> you know, I have yeah. ideas. Actually that's, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to continue. Actually, the, there was, um, there was a point when I did my memoir that, that, my agent and the publisher said they want another memoir from you and I like I collected ideas like crazy and I started and they were good ideas for a while and um and I had this outline this this outline alone the outline alone was 27 pages and um and then I realized they were all those ideas were slowly dissipating like they weren't they it's not that they were bad ideas it's just that they weren't ideas that mattered anymore and I was like what the hell <laughs> and i just let it fade away I, that outline is in a in a file somewhere i picked one or two spots that i really liked to be honest my the my the series that i had been doing for the past few years called be is dying came out of one line of that 27 page outline. <laughs> that was a memoir outline that was the one idea that stayed that stayed with me that was the one idea that had the spell still and and i took that and and did um 125 pages or something with that it was great that was really terrific so sorry i rambled on i hope i answered whatever question yeah i like that sure I, don't know
0: I don't know enough about like a uh, sourdough starter or kombucha or anything but it, it seems like ideas either generate and are like uh oh this is this is where the yogurt comes from or it's like oh this isn't so good like there's this uh separation uh but i don't know if that's a great analogy because I'm, I'm mystified by those uh fermentation processes, but prusky, prusky. maybe that'll be,
1: maybe, maybe that'll be the next episode. You can do a little bit, actually, how you tend to do things is you, you make the title and then you say, oh, now we got to figure out why it's called
0: comics, that. kombucha. <laughs> and now I have to research how the, I don't even love kombucha. I'm more of a kimchi fan. I know they're different, but anyway, buried, or in, buried, the for God's sake.
1: buried in the sand for, yeah, for nine months. Bury or, your
0: ideas in the backyard <laughs> and then uh, unearth them. Okay, uh, you know, what was the question? So, so well, Dina was asking, we have too many ideas. I was also thinking about the idea, okay, so like uh, ideas like fireworks completely like and then dissipating and magically fading into the evening, um, like Tom is describing. But there's also ideas that are very bossy siblings that uh, all have the mic, like Beastie Boys or something. Like maybe there's three really strong-willed ideas and they take turns and... Uh, they live in your book draft. And you're like, these three things are all in the book. And then you start making the book, let's say. And uh, and then you realize one of them is actually, like maybe two of them are a book and one of them is another book. Uh, so sometimes the ideas are very strong together and you're trying to include all of them. And then as you work on the piece, you might find that they're separate ideas or separate mediums or separate projects. Sometimes that that isn't always true. Um, and some people are very good at um. Uh, kind of stubbornly braiding the things together and doing that really well, I'm probably not that person. <laughs> but I I like the idea of like ideas having different energy over time. Um, and I think it's true that they dissipate, but also sometimes there can be several ideas that are bossy at once. And I wonder what that experience is like.
1: <laughs> I mean, it can be really overwhelming if you get, especially if you don't have the time to tend to them all, you know? Yeah. The, the bossy ideas I mean that was what was going on with with my sort of quote second memoir in progress I had so many ideas it was just filling up and then um nothing only one thing came to the fore
0: does that um, feel like an idea hangover <laughs> if you're like oh that that was so cool and now I didn't even know what was I thinking I like the the thought what was I thinking after I've made a comic but if I haven't made it yet and it's it's an idea yeah I, then I feel kind of bad I'm like sorry I don't think I feel the same way I did about you last night cool idea but that's that, but that's how it works because it's an idea, okay right it's, it's okay an an idea, that our hearts change
1: yeah well an idea is an invitation to act you know mm-hmm. and when you make that when you make that action and you make that transformation things are different on the other side um so that's gonna happen and you don't have to feel bad those ideas are they can take care of themselves after you're gone. <laughs> yeah.
0: and not all not ideas are not all ideas are awesome, <laughs> and that's okay too. <laughs> like it's okay yeah. to like give it a little bit of time or or uh, I don't know. I love I love having idea, and as soon as I have it, I like run to someone else. Like, is this awesome? I I'll ask my partner or Tom if it's like Anvil related. Maybe my therapist. Uh, <laughs> like, look at this. And uh, it feels like when you're a little kid and you scribble something and then you run as fast as you can to the nearest adult and you show them, look, I did something. Uh, like, I almost want the idea to be just as good as the final product. And it does have that rush of like, yeah, it's almost better than the final project. You do get a little high off of a good idea.
1: R- yeah, it's right.
0: fumes, it's it's vortex. It's very enticing. But I think it has to be like that for us to act. And sometimes sometimes you can't or you don't.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's... That's sort of mental um, spell casting as well, right? How many, you and I have both been teaching a long time, and how many times do you have, especially younger students, you know, especially like teenagers and stuff, but how many times do they come with an idea that they've been like nursing in their mind for years and years and they know everything about the idea? And, you know, it's usually world building, right? It's usually like how many characters they are and where they're trying to get to. And, and, uh, how especially the relationships between the characters and stuff and they've got it all mapped out but but the ability to act on it is is totally different in comparison to the size of the idea um so you have to you have to be careful about like yeah we all love that high of a great idea i remember the first time it happened to me where i like and it was just the simplest idea i was working on a fiction book and uh and I was working I was working as a dishwasher in a bakery and I realized while crossing the floor that the character in part one had to be the same character in part three and like my heart skipped and like I was holding these dishes and I was like oh and I was like so so thrilled and excited and I was like, oh my god you know, grant me enough time to to see that idea through luckily I drew fast then and it wasn't a large book so I
0: made it oh that's awesome yeah I still feel that way about my idea about the the novel I want to make I was so thrilled and like I really do think I think the final book could be really beautiful but it just feels so good to talk about a cool idea when I can tell somebody and they're like that is really cool and I'm like I know right and I can talk about different scenes and they're like that's amazing I'm like I know right but I really should write it because it might be better um but uh let's talk about uh,
1: that because i feel like i feel like ideas are bigger than our than how we believe we can actualize them right an idea can exist in a bunch of different forms and if the idea wants to exist as things you converse about then it's just as good as an idea you write quote a novel about a novel's just some weird recent invention you know yeah Conversation is much longer. <laughs> and also, yeah. you know, the, the tropes of novels are really, are really strange. Like there are plenty, there are plenty of, you know, slightly avant-garde and and what do I want to say, modernist art and uh stories rather, that are an assemblage of ideas that an author maybe had and just didn't see it as a traditional novel. And they threw threw these ideas around. Yeah, you know, you could s- frame it with a storytelling device of like, okay, it's the Canterbury Tales, right? We're all sitting out a plague, and we're going to tell you some stories. And then you just tell us the abbreviated chapter from the Nun book and another abbreviated chapter from the Nun book or whatever. Tell- yeah. I, it doesn't have to be this traditional novel uh, form. You know, it doesn't have to be any traditional form. It doesn't have to be the traditional graphic novel form. It doesn't have to be the traditional uh, serial podcast form.
0: That but said though, if I if I have students and we're trying to get some work done or even get an early draft and we don't have a lot of time and we're trying uh, to motivate each other each other, yeah, but, it's it's so easy to talk about the thing. And then you know the weeks go by and you're like, oh, I remember that cool idea. I haven't really nothing's happened yet on the page. Well,
1: um, if you're a teacher and and these are your students, then you say, get to work. Stop talking.
0: (laughs) I do, and then the class ends, so it's like not long enough uh, for me to like uh, withhold affection or anything. So, um,
1: I mean, it's you know, you hit on this earlier, like um, the act of working on something. When you were talking about the bossy ideas or the bossy siblings, the act of working on it in a tangible way, in some sort of some sort of uh, manifestation that is tangible. When you start working. The ideas start to change and you start to, and it, it starts to become a, a, an artifact. It starts to become a thing. Um, so eventually you do have to stop talking about it. If you're going to be, if you're going to say, no, the idea is just an idea to talk about. Okay, I'll give you another example. This is, this is cranky.
0: Mm-hmm. There,
1: there was, um, there was a show. I don't remember the artist's name. There was a show at the Whitney museum, maybe 15 years ago. Maybe you went to this, Jess. And the show was supposed to be really great because it was nothing but um, the artist's ideas and people talking to you about the artist's ideas. And so you go, and I think you started at the top. You know, the 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 Whitney has this huge uh, rotunda that spirals around. I think you start at the top, and the one interesting thing was I started f- with young children and then went and went o- older. These these just people who were part of the show who were part of the artwork would come up to you and talk to you. And they would say things like, what is time? I don't know what they would say. It actually annoyed me because, because it was so, so, so you walk the whole rotunda and you get about maybe eight or 10 mini conversations that are kind of pre-planned, but of course the conversants don't know your, your reaction. So they're trained to, to react to you. Um, and, uh, so I went with my friend, Tim and we, and we went through the whole thing and we had like mini philosophical conversations and that was the whole show. And then at the end, I was like, I do that weekly at the bar with my friends. Like, I don't know why I paid $20 for it and it wasn't as good. It wasn't nearly as good. So, so like ideas can be, ideas can be art ideas can be a, a, a final outcome or a final, uh, manifestation or in themselves or language can, but I don't know, it's tricky. I, I wasn't very satisfied with that. I would have rather read a book. <laughs> yeah, so really I, rambling you, you did
0: uh, succinctly earlier, ideas are an invitation to act. Um, it's, sometimes I'm glad I've been too lazy to follow through on, I don't know, bad ideas. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, sometimes it's very generative to talk about an idea uh, and it becomes a place for other ideas. The best ideas I've had, if I had to think about it, sometimes I have an idea that's so hypnotizing because it's also maybe commercially enticing. I'm like, that sounds like a real thing that like might make money. And that's also why the idea is exciting. I don't have too many of those, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe fortunately. Uh, but the really good ideas are the ones where uh, they're just totally steeped in curiosity. And it's an idea that's sort of attached to a question. I'm like, oh, what is it like, like being in the middle of war? and running a convent that's really cool like women being independent but also like confined but also in a really interesting social space at a particular time like that sounds really interesting like the parameters sound sound just as interesting as the idea itself and it right. becomes uh, a playground that that has uh, it's expansive but it has limits so that i don't i don't uh, lose the thread as easily or abandon it quite as easily and then I kind of have faith that like maybe the idea will stick around because I'm still curious about it. Um, like having an idea that lasts longer than the, this is going to make me a million dollars feeling. <laughs> uh, It's it's nice to have both, but I, I wonder about that too. It's sort of, I don't know, the second question we had is related to this idea. Would it be okay if, if I bring that second question to the four, or should we keep talking about this one? Do you have more I I
1: one small comment about what you were just talking about and then I think segue into that second question and that is that with your idea with your statement about ideas that have some curiosity in them right and and that are questions about things you're curious about um that's such a great starting place and it's such a great idea because you know we're here you're we're human and we want to like fill up on understanding a little bit I think a lot of us do anyway and so um it's a great place to start or it's a great it's a great idea to work from the the mistake some people make is like now where do i start and then they think well you start with the beginning and then mm. then you get stuck cuz you don't exactly know what the beginning is the truth is, is you don't start with the beginning you start with the thing you know that you can start with and it's probably somewhere in the middle it doesn't matter you just start
0: yeah start i think because starting is a chronological beginning uh it feels like we nice. should start at the beginning like I'm starting starting is the beginning and ending is the ending Day one. so I'm starting at the beginning and you don't have to do that exactly a few people in the chat were also mentioning um sometimes they keep my ideas to myself so it keeps its magic for longer which I think is totally true sometimes I'll say oh wouldn't this be a cool idea I feel bad because my husband's always like I have a cool idea for a short story to outline it and I'm like yeah, that's pretty good. And if I'm not excited, I think I just totally murdered his idea and uh I'm I'm more I'm more sensitive to that than I think he might be. But if I have an idea and I tell him all about it and even if he says it's so that's a cool idea, I know when as I'm walking away I'm like I'm never going to do that.
1: That's a that's a real thing. I think ideas are are at least for me art making is kind of private and kind of intimate and I think our ideas are that way too. And especially like ideas don't always like uh Communicate well. Like to me, like th- there are any number of movies or stories that I like, and most of them, if you just describe the idea, somebody'd be like, "Oh, that sounds good." You know, the only idea, the only idea-driven movie that everyone agreed upon was uh, the one where Bruce Willis is dead. What was that one? You know, the sixth uh, sense, whatever. The spoiler,
0: Tom. I the mean, sense <laughs> if you haven't seen it.
1: But but that's the only, but that's the only type of idea that you can communicate and somebody go like, oh, cool. You know, most other ideas are just like these are things like you say, I'm curious about, I want to explore, I want to do a story about being an emergency room nurse and working in this really hard healthcare system. No one's gonna say, Great idea. Oh my like, god, you blew my mind with that idea. They're gonna say, Wow. I I hope you do that. That sounds
0: good luck. (laughs) Sometimes we have friends that are like, I, I salute you. Goodbye. All right.
1: You want to go to that second question?
0: Yeah. I'm just like gently uh, scooting over to the uh, chat and I might've missed something, but I think people are just uh, piping in and, and um, being more like church nods. (laughs) But if we, if we missed a question, feel free to, you know, I know we have
1: Jim Hamilton in the audience and I wanted to, Ask him, maybe he can answer in the chat if his if his obsession with falling was just something that started in the same way, something you were curious about and you wanted to explore in as much detail as you can. So I'd be love to hear that in the chat, Jim, if you can tell us. But meanwhile, Jess, I'm also hoping. Meanwhile, second the, question.
0: Uh, meanwhile, back at Anvil HQ, uh, we have a second question from Manula. Um, how to how to reconcile what's in your head and what you put on paper? So this is also an ideas question. Um, mm-hmm. What a struggle! I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you want to speak to that, Tom?
1: Yeah, I'm on. A, I really. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I do want to say. Something.
0: I do, but where do I begin? Start, start uh, wherever uh, you can start, Tom.
1: <laughs> okay, agreed. Okay, great. Well, all right, then I'll just dive in. Like, here's the thing: you're. I, I, no, I'm going to get on the soapbox. I you. We're here to like we're 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 creatures, right? We're just creatures of God or the universe or creation, creatures of creatures of creation, whatever you want to call it. And our job is to just be those things. And I think there's I, we get all caught up in in the the weird customs that we're that we are you know are exposed to, and we want to so. We have an idea now we're talking about comics and so we're talking about a visual medium and we're probably talking about drawing. So when the ideas don't come out in the way we want them to look is probably what we're talking about. But that's filled with so many expectations and we've lost sight of the fact that we're just this like creature (laughs) doing creature things, you know, and like, and, and just start Um, make some things. I like Linda Barry's take on this, that the drawing is more alive. I think this is what she says, the drawing is alive whether you want it to be or not. You know, The drawing has a life whether you want it to be or not, or want it to or not. As much as you hate on it, it still has a life. You know, It still has an aura. It still has an expression. And I think as cartoonists, now I think we'll get a little bit nitty gritty a little more and I'll, I'll get less, I'll talk less about us being creatures and more us being cartoonists. Like, I think to some degree our job is to like draw, see the world, train this like this this uh circuit of our eye and our hand and our world and our head and our heart. I keep going. Um, and learn to s- notice what we're seeing when we put things down on paper or however we put it. And be open to that be curious about what it who we what it is that's coming out and you just have to get rid of like those ideas that it's going to come out like the the artists that you like better than you
0: (laughs) this this ties my crazy thing into both questions the crazy idea i had in the bathroom a few weeks ago be more interested in doing what you're doing than knowing what you're doing Right. It sort of answers both these questions, and that it was an idea I thought was awesome. And later I was like, "Is that awesome?" I'll ask Tom, and they're like, well, "I don't know. Let's put it on the podcast and see if it sticks to the wall." Uh, but it it is. I f- I felt so um, happy when I thought that I was like, "Oh, that is true." Like the the work I do, I'm, I have more satisfaction when I'm more interested in doing it than knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, and also the older I get, uh, I'm more delighted by <laughs> my this is the chasm of shortcomings i have <laughs> uh, like uh this is a really fabulous show on netflix i think it's still on there it's called nailed it and oh, it's sure. hosted by nicole Byer, who's a wonderful stand-up comedian and uh jacques torres who's a very humble very sweet uh chocolatier from france and um yeah, i think it had like three three seasons or something but they they challenge uh like somewhat proficient, but definitely amateur home bakers who might've baked a few cupcakes in their life to build these elaborate fondant laden cakes. And at the end of the challenge, they show the like the, what they tried to make photo and then like what their work looks like. And they have to stand next to work and be like, ta-da. And uh, there's an episode where they make cakes that look like Donald Trump and everyone ran out of time. And there's this beautiful pantry that they raid and they try to find things to decorate their cake with. And they're putting fondant on like foam heads. Like it doesn't look edible. It's really scary. But someone used dry spaghetti for Trump's hair and it was so delightful. And he has like bags under his eyes. Anyway, if you Google nailed it and look for the Trump cake. Oh, my gosh, I couldn't breathe. It was so funny. So hopefully it doesn't go that poorly, but particularly... uh, your style is forged on the anvil of daily deadlines, as Emile law says, the terrible anvil. Um, <laughs> that's going to influence how you, uh, sometimes when we try to do the pro- professional production level art that we see in our mind, it comes out like the weird uh, baking contest cake <laughs> that was just completely made under duress. So you can try to shift uh, the temperature of, of how fast you make something and what kind of pressure you're putting on yourself are you inviting the audience in too soon or um or maybe you're like let me just stay curious about this and try not to panic <laughs> and uh and if you need the spaghetti hair sometimes you got to do it that's okay
1: yeah i love that are you inviting the audience in too soon but here here's the thing about nailed it it's full of laughter so it's funny full of joy people are giggling constantly they're they're in love with the process. It's fun.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of how you talk about making music too, because you came to that later, and you consider yourself an amateur, and you force yourself to make stuff and not um, go back and repeat the same notes. Like you let the mistakes stand, which sounds. I like intriguing. your take on it. something like Sometimes that, you know? want to be good at something, Tom. How do you? <laughs> this is also I've noticed cartoonists and other creators will have the monolithic main project that's 600 pages that's taken them 40 years and then they'll have, have these fun side projects like oh I started doing portraits of Abraham Lincoln in drag and so much fun and it takes 20 minutes and uh, I think that's why I was doing my print portraits for a long time because they were small I got mm-hmm. to play with color a lot of cartoonists are like when will I get to color this it's not done um, yeah, yeah so yeah. like yourself into having something fun is is nice too and, and you know
1: who did that um, is Megan Kelso. For the long time, she I think she put out six issues of her comic called Girl Hero. And she had her quote, important story in the front and it was called Bottle Cap. And she would do these kind of like easier short pieces um, in the back. It wasn't the epic that Bottle Cap was. Um, and everybody, including her, quickly realized they were more interesting more alive more fun and just plain be- just just playing better and she changed everything she did after that megan since then well she did do one epic after that but she's mostly focused on short stories and she's a great short story creator but it was that process of like having these like side projects that i think were to some degree less Things she took more lightly, things she thought were less important. She was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this weird comic about like a, somebody's bike falling apart and um, mm-hmm. and them finding uh, finding the parts and and having a sort of psychotic meltdown." And that's just to play while I do my other post, my other dystopian sci-fi epic on the side. You know, while I do that. And but everyone, including her, again, was more interested in the in the shorter weird pieces hmm
0: It's also how we talk about our work, too. Like, oh, I haven't made any art lately except for this to-do list that I doodled on. And Tom's like, that is art. That looks great. Make all <laughs> zine filled with grocery lists. Uh, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's all about context. I think sometimes we think what we're doing isn't fancy. And sometimes that can uh, help us make this stuff itself and enjoy ourselves. I do think... Um, one well, one one of the big takeaways from the nonfiction class that just wrapped up at saw there's a four week class which we're realizing is not nearly long enough. Um, uh, I think it was Ellen who said, "I if it's not fun, I'm not interested in doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it." And uh, she's working on like a pretty expansive history, and and, uh, and it's got a lot of moving parts and a long chronology, and it's absolutely fascinating. And I, I think there was more than one student in the class. Nancy also was like, "I have to have fun. This, this is going to be ridiculous if I'm if I'm not going to have fun. I absolutely won't touch it." And um, I like that they're putting it that at the top of their list of things that they mm-hmm. want from the life that they're creating with with art. I forget yeah. to have fun. I'm very goofy, but like I am like way too serious. Like <laughs> like care too much about everything except for the dishes.
1: Uh. You always talk to us about how you toss off these drawings and you're like, oh, I'm gonna make it bad first. And and that sounds like fun. Where you oh, you're it's like so that's fun. I
0: don't know how I figured that out. I think I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to make the graphic novel with the veterans look awesome because I'm like, they're veterans, they're very they're kind of a population that's put on a pedestal for better or worse. And I think I was doing that too. Or I was like, I want to do a really good job because I, I don't think that people care about this. And I, I wanna honor these stories because I think they're cool and interesting. So I should make it look really pretty, and then I was like, "What if what if it looked kind of silly?" And uh, I, I enjoyed myself more. I, I still took care to try to make the characters themselves look attractive <laughs> if I could, as and they were good-looking people to begin with. So so yay me for like I had I had good material, but uh, but yeah, if there was something I could make a little silly, um, like a moment. I think there's a moment in the book where someone's making soup in the middle of Iraq, I think, and the main character doesn't know where his uh his fellow soldier has acquired all these ingredients for paella in the desert he's like I don't know where he got it but it tastes great so they're showing him like making this beautiful soup on the roof of this house uh and I don't know what he looks like or what that house looks like but I envisioned him having this really hilarious like Ratatouille ladle of soup and and uh, aromas and, and and like this sort of goofiness that was really really great. Like, I don't know if it was like that, but the tone of the story was lending itself to that, and I was curious about it. So I was like, I feel like since this is a third party, I could get away with mm-hmm. making it a certain way uh, mm-hmm. because it was it was still honoring the story and it wasn't making fun of anybody. But I was really having a good time making it pretty silly.
1: I I would imagine that that the, the story and the, um, what I am say, the subject of the story probably appreciated that moment of levity. Yes. Yeah.
0: No, I did. <laughs> you gotta get your <laughs> levity where you can find it.
1: Um, I wanted to also just to hop back on my soapbox and to finish that question, which is how, what, what exactly was the question? Let's go hit it again. <laughs>
0: oh, I recon- wait, how uh, do you reconcile what's in your mind with what comes out on the page
1: paper? I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's really two answers, and one is like accept what you put on paper, and the other is aggressively get better. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Have, like, yeah,
0: that is an option. I'm often is. too lazy to reach for. It's like you can get better, but yeah. also like sometimes I'm like, who has the time for that? Maybe that's how the bootleggers <laughs> thing came right. out. I was like, what if you have to get it done right now, and you you rolled out of bed, and unfortunately, you didn't have the. It's not like the metamorphosis where you woke up as somebody else. You're still the same person you went to bed as. So. You've got to show up and and make it, and uh, yeah. I, and then I kind of started to push and be like, "Am I really that bad? Ooh, this is really bad. That's amazing. How can it can this get any worse? Like uh, being curious about how bad it could be was really fun to me. Maybe I am abusing myself. I should talk to my therapist about this. I don't, I don't know. It's it was fun. I am still doing it, so maybe it's fine. Is that okay, Tom? Is that okay?
1: That <laughs> you are having fun and and letting your artwork be quote bad.
0: Yeah, I think I I sort of made friends with my inner critic and now um, I feel like I'm roasting myself. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is so funny. But it, there's comedy in it where it's like, I think just the inner critic is mean.
1: I I think I think comedy and laughter is a great way to approach the world. So it sounds good to me. And I haven't noticed anything in the published stuff you've done for the, you know, Boston Globe or anything that's like, that makes me question your sanity or anything. So
0: that's good. What I do think like looking at published work, it's uh, sometimes, I'm sure we'll get a question about this if we haven't already, like how to, um, I think it's in the list of bootleggers topics is old work versus new work. Like we do change uh, over time. And Maria in the chat was mentioning that even ideas are sort of like a timestamp where our brain is and can feel like, oh, that's who I was in that moment. And that's what I was interested in in that moment. Now it's shifting. So our interest change our style or or the way that we draw or the things we're interested in drawing change over time and sometimes that can be embarrassing where you're like oh why did i think that was a cool thing <laughs> or that, that drawing doesn't look so good and that can maybe uh influence the way you approach new ideas it's like i think this time i'm finally gonna figure out how to draw shoulders and eyeballs and fingers or something
1: i just came upon this quote i, can't, I found it from austin cleon so it's not like it was obscure it's a Will Oldham quote. Will Oldham's the musician. I'm going to put it in the chat. I really liked it. Um, he says part of the idea in making a record is to freeze lots of moments of learning and discovery, so that it so it really is like every time you press play, you're opening up that experiment again. So I think what it, what um, what i tried to open myself up to is like is like every, and again, I'm not doing nonfiction. I, I'm not telling, at this point, I'm not telling anybody's story. So it's like, I, I'm only honoring imagination at this point and I'm trying to honor it with with a, a certain amount of liveliness, but there is, um, I go in knowing that I'm gonna like do something, that I'm gonna learn something new, that I'm gonna do something unexpected and that's gonna be the fun of it. And then if I reread it, for instance, or if I re- listen to it or whatever, that I'm gonna relive that moment where I learned this new thing, where I became this new creature, if we wanna keep working that metaphor. Um, Anyway, I I like that a lot. And so for me, the act of creating is an act of constantly learning, like you said, being curious about the world. Um, And it's hard. I've been trying not to separate the 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 doing and the final product and the final artifact and what it looks like. I've tried not to separate that from the actual doing of it. I've tried to like, let them be as much part of the same process. It's complicated.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's why I started acting so silly, like drawing stuff. It's like, well, how, if, if my preliminary sketches are very, very silly, I do think looking back, like I've read the last two comics I've done, professionally um, I'm like I do need to pull it in a little bit I think I could make this like 10% nicer because I was really having fun being silly and and working really fast with the deadline I think I could maybe do one more pass or refine it just a little bit but starting kind of at the bottom of the mountain and making it as silly as possible is really really useful um but yeah maybe it's like something that's adjustable and changes over time too
1: that's awesome, and it's you know it's beginner's mind. It's how a child would work. It's like we're trying to put ourselves back in a mind where we weren't so critical of the outcome.
0: Yeah, I I I have to remind myself like uh like I was trying to make a list of hobbies. I was like I don't really have any hobbies, <laughs> and this morning I, don't know, and I was thinking of funny stuff like yoga. Like I do that twice a week or something, or uh, cooking. I should do that. I mean I cook dinner, so I'm like that's a hobby, right? So I was thinking of things that I was already doing that was like not a chore and not uh something I'm compensated for and uh and I was like I didn't even put drawing on there as a hobby that's a hobby mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. think also if if we're trying to attempt to be working professionals lol um <laughs> we're monetizing what we're doing so we're also like if we forget to have fun because um because we want to um maybe make a mark or or we're concerned about audience but also um maybe there are parameters professionally too like this should kind of look a certain way or I know based on my abilities and my deadline it'll look like this and then I'll get my check and it'll be fine and that sort of becomes more transactional than uh driven by curiosity I guess which is yeah. sort of bummer <laughs> can we talk about lettering are we going to do it five don't minutes a yes lettering episode. <laughs> don't
1: we have a third question
0: Oh, we do. If we do, look, let's put off lettering just like we do in real life. I think it's very funny.
1: Wait. Um, oh no, that was the last question. All right, let's talk about lettering.
0: You just had two. Yeah, uh, lettering. Oh, what do we do? Sh- okay, so so the title, this goofy title of the podcast was like how I learned to stop worrying and love the lettering. I do think beginners and comics put lettering off to the very end and uh and then we really suffer more than we need to and the best lettering I've done, uh, I'll letter during the layouts as clearly as possible. And I don't know, everybody's different. Some people just do final art, like maybe Josh Bear doesn't really have layouts. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But some people have a more of like all three processes of layouts, pencils, and inks are all done at once. Or or also people work in Procreate. There are um, the, the sort of uh, demarcations between those steps are really vague. so. So maybe you do one or the other, and neither, or all of them all at once. But let's say you make layouts. In my in my case, I I try to do layouts so I can show the editors as quickly as possible. Here's what I'm thinking, and generally speaking, most editors, outside of uh, comics practice, uh, that are editing for journalism. Never remark on how terrible my drawing is. So maybe that's also why I'm doing it sillier and sillier because I'm like, I really want, I dare you to say something about this noodle person. (laughs) But they know it's an early draft, but it's helpful if the um, scripting and the pacing is very clear. So the pressure is on to make that lettering as clear as possible. One way you can do that is you can use a font, even if you change it. Um, You can use a font uh, generator based on your handwriting. There's a few. I don't know if we're allowed to name drop. (laughs) But calligrapher without an E, like (laughs) grinder, that's one that a lot of people use. And I've used, and I have a couple of fonts. I think even fonts we use for Saw or like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I don't know what's some good advice. I used to really hate lettering. I found out that um, if I have less words per page, it just looks better. But leaving lots of space for lettering, more than I think I need, is always a good move. And also doing my lettering, on the page or on the panel, and then drawing a caption box or a word balloon around it, and also not having a line of text that goes all the way across the page. Tom taught me that one. He was like, "You don't want these long Hindenburg balloons. <laughs> you want like little circles." And I, and I've noticed that. And and there's always uh, there are rules, and then you break all of them, and it still looks awesome. But these are things that I was like, "Oh, this looks really good." The other thing is when I force myself to sort of. Eat my vegetables first. Some people love lettering, so forgive. I mean, I don't even hate lettering all that as much as I'm saying. But I used to be really afraid of it. I think because I wanted to be beautiful. Um, If I did my lettering first and had goofy drawings, but I inked my lettering and my panels first, I'd be like, "Wow, this looks like a real comic. Like maybe the drawing will turn out beautiful too." And so, like in a way, it'd be it like the lettering made the drawing like the vegetables I didn't want to (laughs) eat. (laughs) <laughs> making the drawing really good uh I don't know what do you have to say on lettering Tom how do we do it
1: oh my god well you know you know me by now I think we've
0: you letter with a nib like a maniac and it looks amazing it's so beautiful
1: well that's that's true um but I to answer your question I was gonna go I always dial it back really far you know I'm always like we're just creatures right and I think I am gonna go there again and do, okay, like- do it what's the lettering for, you know, the lettering is, is, is for communication, right? We're, we're, we're creatures of who want to communicate. So that's our main concern. Not, it has to look a certain way. Um, but we also communicate through style and we communicate through line and and drawing and, and the artwork. So like, if we, so we don't want to fall into the trap where like, I'm just trying to communicate. So I put, I put my Ariel font in there, and it works. but but that that isn't enough because we're taking some sort of effort to make a drawing or even a photograph or a collage or something and put that down. so so we need to treat the lettering like it's part of the communication or expression, right? I, I mean, my my friend Justine doesn't really like that term expression. She's like, I don't, I don't believe in self-expression and I'm not sure what she believes in. Maybe it's communication.
0: Which is so funny because Justine's stuff is like gorgeous. I, Why well, I not? Very expressive.
1: Yeah, I have to get, I have to nail her down on that. Was, but she really, but I think she thinks it's a, it's a cop-out to not try to communicate effectively or to um, make something artistically um bolder than you might be capable than you might think you're capable of. Because we could go on a on a tangent about Justine and some of her ideas, which are great. Um but um what was I talking about lettering <laughs> but, yes. yeah. but so so like um I would just start there. It's like what am what what is the lettering doing here? The truth is is a lot of us come from a tr- from from some of the comic traditions, where we use these things that we tend to call word balloons, and we use these things that we tend to call caption boxes. And so that's okay. Um, We don't have to, but it's okay if we want to. And if we want to, there are plenty of tools to have us use them well, that integrate well with with a variety of different types of drawing styles um, or our own drawing style. Um, Those tips are out there. There's a million good resources for it. But I, I, I'm more like, isn't the letter, aren't the, aren't the letters, part of, the story? Aren't they part right. of what, why you're here? These, whether characters are speaking, thinking, whether they're reflecting, what is language for? Oh, see, now I'm really getting the we. Yeah, the, and Tom, we, were worry, you talking about clouds. like
0: some of our, our early drawing experiences tom was telling me this before the call that some of our earliest drawing experiences are writing our name on paper mm-hmm. and learning letters did you want to add anything to that tom or is that all you wanted to what do you, what, what do you do? well you i'm trying to lead you to the water here uh like you, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. like uh I, I want to talk about lettering in the context and maybe you've already done it but um when we're really 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 little and we're learning how to hold a pencil or a crayon we're writing our name for the first time the lettering of how we we introduce ourselves or say our name or write our name yeah, is, yeah. is a style of drawing um I don't know if, maybe that's just the whole thought but well it really think. is and
1: maybe maybe like you and I were just talking 10 minutes ago about like this getting into this children's mindset this beginner's mindset about about our drawings and about the about what it looks like and like how can I how can I have fun doing it etc um maybe reminding ourselves of what our earliest experiences with lettering would help, and for me, I I do remember quite well. I remember quite clearly drawing on like little yellow pieces of paper and 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 trying to get it so so it could communicate and the shapes were correct and all that stuff. And it's not that difficult to make a P and a B separate and you know things like that. These are easy skills to to master. Just as just as learning to draw in your own style can be also. Um, but what I was also saying is that like, you know, when some of us learn to sign our names, we practice it and practice it and play with it. And mine got really ornate for a while. Um, and um, and I don't know what I was learning then, except that those symbols, those letters were my personality somehow, right? And in some ways they they were an expression of me that that even I, didn't quite understand. I made this really loopy cursive H with like, I had like four loops in it. And like, I didn't have an intention. I didn't have an idea before that. I just actually, I think I was copying bowling shirts, to be honest, that are embroidered and have this like, fancy. Yeah.
0: um,
1: but then I looked at it and I was like, and then I was like, what is that H? How is that H about me? And I just, as you know, as a child and and as I slowly evolved, how I write my name, think it changed. And now I barely—it's I, just scrawl, but that's because yeah. I, I hate yeah. the system where I have to it's sign the
0: doctor's my signature. Yeah, totally. But
1: but that's not how I—that's not how I, letter my comics. And so like the the, the obvious thing to say here is a, a riff off of Matt Madden and Jessica Abel's book called Drawing Pictures. What is it Drawing Words and Writing Pictures? Writing Pictures, Drawing Words. Now I forget which order it is. But the idea was that you're doing both. You're you're treating your letters like pictures. And you're treating words like visual. Anyway, the, the point being is that when I'm making comics, I am treating them visually and I'm not, and I'm not like hacking out my handwriting the way I do when I'm filling out a form to, you know, the government or something, which I mm-hmm. despise and actually I find that easier than working in a PDF. Cause for some reason, I still can't figure out how to fill out a PDF online, but, but <laughs> anyway, but. Yeah, it just comes down to like, what are your letters for? What are you trying to communicate? What, what, what are you communicating with the letters that you're currently using? And how can that change? And what are you learning? And all those questions, stuff like
0: that. A lot of questions, Tom. (laughs) And I'll, I'll finish by this. Oh, sorry. I was just going to
1: finish by saying that, like, I never really got out of, even though I have all these grand questions, I never really got out of the tradition of uh, being satisfied of being in the tradition that like Popeye and peanuts and other comic strips, um, are in. So like, I, am pretty satisfied with my lettering because it feels like those kinds of comic strips and, but it, um, uh, but there's any number of things you can do with lettering. And, and if your ideas are, if you know, it, it would be very easy to make your lettering look like Roz Chass, for instance, and Roz Chass is a great cartoonist with a great, uh, best-selling book. And, um, I don't, I don't suspect she hates lettering, but the point is is that it's not quote great lettering, it just works really well with her style and with the ideas she's expressing. And there are plenty of other great letterers are out, out there for who that's true, whom that's true. It works well with their style, expresses them as much as their drawings do.
0: Um anyway. That's true. Um one of the like sort of sub-thoughts that is emerging via the chat is the idea that um maybe a fear of lettering or an avoidance of lettering. Is also related to um a lack of clarity within our our scripts that we're committing to paper. And I thought that was a really good point. Um though. Um well I don't know if they said it exactly like that. And I hopefully I'm not putting words in their mouths, but um Allison Kent brought it up um oh. about uh it was kind of a question. Um I think it was like wondering how many people produce scripts separate from the drawing, uh drawings. Um so I don't know if I'm if I'm interpreting that question the right way. Maybe Allison can add more thoughts in the chat too if if you have more to say about it. Um, but that did the way that that question was phrased got me to think. Um, the the more experienced I get or more comfortable I get with making comics, I am really interested in a clean script that I don't have to adjust at all. Um, because I, I'm also thinking about the way that the panels are designed and how many words. Should go in each panel, in addition to the the language of the image, the image itself. So if uh, sometimes people have really expansive ideas and they're like, "Well, this is a conversation between these two characters about uh, the grocery store trip that one of them made in a previous scene," and I'll fill out the dialogue later, um, which isn't a wrong way to work. Um, but I find the more parameters I have on the script, the length of the comic itself maybe even the medium, all the other things I'm worried about become clearer. Um, But I don't know. Allison is adding, I heard a podcast about making comic book scripts, and this gives uh, clients a good sense of what's going to be there before you spend three years drawing it. It's true. I don't think it depends on the book, but you you don't necessarily, if it's a book length work, um, you don't have to include the whole script for the book, is my understanding. It might depend on the publisher, but if you have like a fair, fairly good synopsis and then maybe a sample chapter or two, that's usually enough. And that's been the case to pitch to clients. And we could certainly do another episode about pitching short form comics or a book proposal. Um, but if I'm if I'm doing a first draft, I want that script to be as clean as possible with. And when I say first draft, it's like layouts plus uh, lettering, all where it's a theoretically supposed to go because I need to know early on is this all going to (laughs) fit and how much space we have allotted and um I mean it's sort of nice and the 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 project I'm working on now I'm not the one that's generating the script so if it's too long I can just complain about it (laughs) I can be like this is too long can we cut something or maybe we could do this um there's been little tricks and I learned that because when I was doing the veteran Project. I didn't want to cut anything out. I, I thought everything was very precious, and I, I thought that I was going to be a clearer, more truer story if I kept everything in it. And it, there's no room, and it looks bad. So you have to, you have to find a way to um, make it more concise without necessarily paraphrasing. I was interested in uh, using words verbatim because these were oral histories. So. If I wanted to edit something out, I had to kind of trim some of the language a little bit, but not so much that the statement itself would change. But that's a really specific way to work.
1: Right, right. We've gone on an hour. Should we wrap We're it up? We're done
0: now. <laughs> we probably could talk more about lettering, but I just, we kept promising it. And so, of course,
1: of course. We finally to... got into some, some actionable items or at least detail about we're still what's going on in the page. What? I
0: feel like we're the Statler and Waldorf of uh, philosophical comics creation. Uh, like we're like, you know, people really should just sit down and do the work. And we're like, well, and we're just swanning around talking about um, ideas. So uh, I, get to work, everyone. <laughs> Party's over.
1: That's right. We have to think of a Statler and Waldorf way to say that, like,
0: it, How long is it been working on that book for? Oh, this would be
1: the greatest comic I ever saw. If there was a comic here. Ever <laughs> oh
0: no! Oh no! Let's not do that. I don't like. I don't like it when we're mean. But uh, but I love the Muppets. So.
1: I do too. They, they, um, the, um, this will be the last thing I say. I'm sorry, <laughs> I have to. I'm sorry, I even have to say this. But the, um, the Muppet Christmas Special is really great, and Statler and Waldorf play the, um. Marley and Marley. Marley and Marley. Yes, the the the, business partner. Yeah, Yeah. they're right. Business partner, but they're they're doubled up, and so they have this great song that goes, "We're Marley and Marley, they're ghosts." Right. So then the then the next line is, (laughs) "Oh, it's really wonderful." Uh, Yeah, they're great. Sorry, I can't believe I missed that. So what's our what, let's ask the AI what our topic is for next week. I feel like we hit it somewhere on um somewhere in there. Didn't we say we had a topic for next well,
0: week? Uh we probably do. <laughs> Maybe AI, AI will tell us. Maria says, ooh, a book proposal info. That would be a good topic if we want to talk about book proposals. I'll well, let's revisit. I can...
1: what do you oh think? sorry. Let's revisit the fact that, that you are working on this book, The Bootleggers Guide to Comics. Oh, no. And um there is a lot of stuff in there. So we do have things, and I assume that's one of them.
0: Yes. On the topic of getting to work, I really ought to work on the book. <laughs> it's way more fun to talk about the book on the terrible anvil podcast than to sit down by myself and work on the book. So I'm I'm eating my words here. I'm trying, don't be me. <laughs> Do the work. I,
1: I wanna um I wanna echo what Adrian says in the chat. I think sometimes we research things too much when we, we really should be playing and experimenting with it. That's a that's perfect I totally agree things like lettering etc requires do it time to build up the skills and knowledge I completely agree yeah. with
0: that yeah I do too it's like uh what if I have terrible at lettering and drawing uh hands and I'm just gonna do this comic anyway and and get to the end of it and be like ta-da and Sally says how about talking about pitching since pitching for the next anthology is coming up there's an anthology Call for entries. It's in the Flow group. I think it's available mm-hmm. for people who have access to Flow. So that'd be the year-long program as well, Todd. In the year-long program in the Flow group, can they? They know?
1: have their own anthology coming up, but everybody else in Flow, which is like you know memoir group and and the okay. alumni group, um, yeah. The, our next anthology is uh, called Tr- Troubled History. Troubled
0: history. Yeah. And um, yeah, sure.
1: That's, um. Sure. So maybe maybe the next topic is like talking about ideas in more actionable ways, more specific yeah. ways.
0: Yeah. How to button up your idea and put a tie yeah. on it and send it out there to represent the idea. All
1: right. All right. Did you get that AI? Put that in our summary.
0: Thank you, robots.
1: <laughs> All right, Jess. Um, I think, I think we, I think we've done. For anyone
0: that doesn't know why we're giggling and talking about AI fondly at the end of a call, it's because uh, the last time we did a podcast, AI forces did like a summary of our call and it was really good. It was better than my recaps (laughs) and I feel like I'm becoming redundant. So anyway, that's what that is. It's lovely to spend time with you, Tom. (laughs) Your
1: your recap was full of creature energy and that recap was full of machine energy.
0: Okay, keep the creature energy going and we'll see you for episode six. I can't believe we're doing this. this All right.
1: crazy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jess. We'll see you see next you time. You. Bye. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of the Sequential Artists Workshop or SAW. You can find us on social media at comicsworkshop and online at sawcomics.org. You can hear about our many courses at learn.sawcomics.org. SAW is a nonprofit and supported by people like you. Learn how to make a tax-deductible donation at the donate page of salcomics.org. You can join our free community of comics explorers at members.salcomics.org. Thanks so much for being here.